The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be putting headlines on my couch, headline highlights. I'm sure when you wake up in the morning, you go to your computer or you go to the newspaper or television, wherever you go, the radio, um, and hear the news, and every day it's just more unbelievable than the next. I mean, things that that we couldn't have dreamed up if we were making this stuff up. And it's sometimes, uh, most every morning, there's something to get incredibly frustrated about. Um, you know, confused, frustrated, angry, disappointed, I mean, the world seems to be uh, really going crazy. And I'd like to say that this show um, is a, an oasis of sanity. <laughs> I try to do that for you by analyzing uh, what goes on behind the headlines. And that's what I'm going to be doing for you today. So we're going to be doing the, the, sublime, the serious to the sublime to the ridiculous. And um, starting off with the serious, the most serious is um, Osama bin Laden and terrorism. Now, um, this this recent this week saw the um, the one year anniversary of Osama bin Laden's death, May second, and he was 54 years old when he was killed in a raid in Pakistan on his compound, which of course it still is difficult to imagine that nobody knew about. Uh, that the Pakistanis didn't know about when he was so close to a military center and so on. It just, it's, it, it does, it does strain, uh, credulity. It just, it strains belief. Um, and so we have this anniversary and we also have, uh, Obama wanting to take advantage by reminding everybody that it was a year ago that he, uh, gave the okay uh to to storm this compound and it ultimately of course re- resulted in the killing of bin laden which of course makes the us that much safer not completely safer as i'll go on to talk about but um but yes it was a coup it was a good thing <laughs> um but what happens on this anniversary this year may 2nd this week that week um uh, Coincidentally, uh, or not so coincidentally, it was a week, it just so happened that it was a week when, or a time when, more than a week, these days, um, Obama is not really doing as well in the polls as he expected. You know, there's a lot of polls, I mean, every poll is a little different, but on the whole, they seem to be uh, showing him as neck and neck with Mitt Romney, which, um, uh, you know, is not 
is not uh, something that Obama expected at this point. And so um, it really behooved him to make more of a big deal um, of this anniversary to remind people that, again, he was responsible um, for giving the okay uh, to, for the operation to be carried out that would result in the death of Obama. Of Obama. <laughs> I knew I was going to make that, uh, that slip. <laughs> for those of you who have listened to this show, it's not a surprising slip. But anyhow, um, and, and I still say that years from now, kids uh, studying history will be just um, flabbergasted by the fact that at this time, um, we had a president named Obama when we were threatened by Osama bin Laden. But in any case, that's, that's for another, uh, another time. But my point here is that to, to sort of make uh, more um, hay of this anniversary, um, Obama released, gave permission um, for documents to be, to be released, 17 documents, that were found at Osama bin Laden's Pakistani compound in the raid in which he was killed. And these were classified documents. They, he, um, Obama gave the okay for these documents to be published online by the Combating Terrorism Center at West Point Military Academy. Now, <laughs> I mean, seriously, um, in my opinion, that was one of the stupidest moves ever because there were numerous things in these papers that would incite wannabe terrorists to carry out those plans that Osama never got to carry out. I mean, it's like if you have a, um, if you have a role model, um, how seductive is it to follow in this role model's footsteps and to follow his plans, the attacks he never got to carry out himself, and to, um, you know, whether it's because you're, you're feeling devoted to Osama bin Laden and you want to see his unfinished plans finished, whether it's um, that you want the, you know, the extra attention and fame, you know, infamy in any case, that um, specifically carrying out some of these plans would bring, in, you know, as compared to just some other random terrorist act, um, and, and, you know, what timing for all of this? So, for example, um, some of the things that Osama wrote about was he wanted to target airplanes carrying General David Petraeus and Barack Obama um, because he thought that if there was an assassination of Obama, that um, Vice President Joe Biden would be, quote, utterly unprepared, unquote, uh, when he would be plunged into the presidency, and this, and this would plunge the U.S. into crisis. Okay, so um, what do we have soon after these, after these papers were released? And I'm not necessarily suggesting that, although it certainly could be, but, um, but you know, I'm not really clear about the, the exact timing and whether, in fact, um, this, didn't happen a little bit before, but we don't know. I mean, you know, all of these things were happening right around the same time, and we don't know who saw what when. But as I'm sure you're aware, uh, there was recently a um, the FBI uh, 
came into possession of some new explosives from al-Qaeda that were going to be um, used against a U.S.-bound jetliner or against U.S. aviation. I mean, there there doesn't seem to be, at least we're not being told, (laughs) about specifically um, what these were going to be used for. But... um, But uh, apparently Obama was told about this in April, um, and he was assured it didn't pose a threat to the public, or at least he, um, his top counterterrorism advisor um, was assuring him of this. I mean, in any case, you know, it's interesting what the government knows and what we, when we ultimately find out these things. But... Um, and then, you know, it's it's written that despite the timing, U.S. officials said they did not believe the device was to be used to mark the first anniversary last week of the killing of Osama bin Laden or the start of U.S. military tribunal proceedings against five men accused of orchestrating the terrorist attacks of September 11th. So at no time was this a viable plot, really. <laughs> well, let's hope not in any case. But my point is that, okay, even if... um even if whatever these these ex- new explosive devices that were more sophisticated uh, than past ones, which are making people concerned because um, it's made of things that wouldn't necessarily have been uh, caught in the um, in metal detectors and other things that we use to try to screen uh, devices at airports. Now, I'm not suggesting that um, Obama or General Petraeus we're going to necessarily be using a regular airplane or the kind of plane that these bombs, um, these explosives were planning to attack. I don't know. No, I, I, you know, I'm, but <laughs> what I am saying is that it's interesting right when these documents were released that suggest um, doing specific kinds of terrorist acts, including including aiming for, uh, of course, airlines, and, and including the president and General Petraeus. So even if these, you know, uh, there was no chance that these particular explosives were going to be hitting uh, Obama or Petraeus, the point is that it just goes along with this idea that releasing these documents, uh, releasing the, the unfinished plans of Osama bin Laden at the anniversary of his killing, is you know and at the at the time that these the military uh, that the trial was going to be starting of the masterminds behind 911 is obviously not a good mix and um it's it's you know so it just boggles my mind how um people are just not paying attention to these kinds of things and just um blindly and blithely um, release papers for for wrong reasons when in fact uh, there are, you know just because Osama bin Laden was killed that has not put an end to terrorism there are still plenty of terrorists whether they're in the Middle East or they're here or they're homegrown um, you know this terrorism has not ended because Osama bin Laden is dead unfortunately. And I, I just think that anything that could um, incite people to continue to carry out the plans and to look up to and to a martyr now, you know, some people think of Osama bin Laden as a martyr because he was killed, 
um, it is not a good idea to be publishing his writings so that it can give a blueprint for those people who want to honor him, who want to follow him, who are still angry and want to uh, commit terrorist acts on the United States. Now, to lighten this up a little bit, <laughs> um, and, and let me remind you that, or tell you, for those of you who don't know this, I, one of my books that I've written uh, that was published in London and that I want to bring to the U.S., I've been wanting to do this for a while, and, uh, and um, you know, it's, in my, it's on my to-do list, high on my to-do list, is a book that I wrote called uh, Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted. It's a psychological self-help book on how we need to um, conduct our lives because of the memories of 9-11 still haunting us, even though most of America is in denial, and how we can live our lives without letting the ongoing threat of terrorism, the news of terrorism, every day there's something. I mean, it doesn't have to be the anniversary of Osama bin Laden. It's, it's this trial now uh, of the 9-11 terrorists. It's spoiled terrorist plots like what I was just talking about. Um, you know, all of there's something every day in the news. There is at least one new item regarding terrorism. And, um, and we need to learn to live in a way that doesn't destroy us psychologically or physically from this uh, terrorist stress syndrome, as I call it, from this ongoing memory and threat of terrorism. When we come back, I will lighten this up just a little bit before we go on to some of the, the other sublime and ridiculous things in the headlines. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Papasilli, radio to thrive by. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. 
If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about headline highlights on the couch. We've been talking about Osama bin Laden and the release of his notes and the interesting timing of that when Obama needs more uh, more votes and when um, and when there was this newly discovered explosive device uh, that's more powerful or or more hidden um, than other previous ones, more more scary, <laughs> scarier. Um, you know. I, I was talking about uh, how we're all in such denial uh, as a way it's actually cognitive dissonance is the correct psychological term. Even though we're, we hear about terrorism every day, there's something about terrorism in the news every day. Sometimes it's more dramatic and scary than others. Um, but it's always there. And yet, at the same time, even though we're always aware of it on one level, um, because we don't want to think about it, we put our heads in the sand and pretend that it doesn't exist on another level. So, um, but one thing, you know, one thing ha- in these years has changed. Isn't it unbelievable that we are just finally now getting to the trial of the 9-11 masterminds? I mean, how did that happen? Um, but, um, you know, when you look back at 9-11, um, and you think about how afterwards, when such a dramatic event happened to the U.S., such a tra- traumatic event um, as well, uh, which it changed, well, it changed us in a lot of ways, but at the very beginning, I mean, at the time, one of the consequences were that we were more helpful to each other. And somehow, over these subsequent years, we it has become, and, and of course with the economy and uh, but for, for lots of reasons, it has become more of a me, me, me society. And we're not as helpful to each other. In fact, I find people being meaner to each other on all different levels, you know, all different uh, um, situations, business relationships, personal relationships. People are just meaner than they were before. And we've forgotten some of this let's take care of our fellow citizen warmth that we had at the time. Um, we need, we can't really lose that because, I mean, is it going to take another attack to get us to, um, to realize, to get back to some of the, some of the more compassionate kinds of and spiritual kinds of feelings towards each other? That would be really sad. I mean, of course there are going to be more attacks. I mean, that's another thing. I was, I was talking about my book, Coping with Terrorism. The thing is that even though we all want to bury our heads in the sand, um, there is no shortage of terrorists who are still who still want to see the West go under. I mean, we're seeing that right now in Europe. Um, Sarkozy was was uh, just not elected again. We're seeing it in every country in Europe, um, in every Western country. We're seeing how the the encroachment of terrorism in these countries and the desire for socialism, uh, the desire to be supported by the state is ruining these countries, and it breaks my heart in so many different ways because I lived there for years. I lived in Paris for two and a half years. I lived in Belgium for three years. I traveled all around Europe. I lived in England um, for almost a year altogether. And, um, you know, these. and I've been back, of course, 
and um, to see how these countries are changing, it is just incredibly, incredibly sad. And so, <laughs> I mean, it's only, it's only <laughs> an ocean away is not really that, um, that much of a barrier, uh, and it's getting closer and closer to affecting us. But in any case, I, I, I promised that I was going to lighten this up <laughs> before we go on to the next uh, headline highlight. And I want to connect this. One of the ways that, uh, that 9-11 has affected us and this ongoing threat of terrorism is to make us eat more. Um, we are comforting ourselves or trying to comfort ourselves with comfort foods, foods that we used to eat as a child um, that our parents would give us to comfort us, ice cream, cupcakes, um, whatever, spaghetti, <laughs> potatoes, french fries, whatever, pancakes, um, <laughs> uh, whatever your particular parents did to you, gave to you when they wanted to comfort you, chocolate, of course, um, th- those are the kinds of things that we are reaching for more and more. And um, so there was an interesting article today about how a over a third of America is obese currently. Over a third. And in 2030, if we're all around, um, and then there's still a food supply, um, 42% of Americans will be obese. And it's going to cost the government, there's an estimated cost of $550 billion. That's in 2030. But I, I don't think... I don't think we should, well, I mean, I don't think we, we should worry about what's happening in 2030. I think we should worry about what's happening right now. And over a third, I mean, when you, when, if you're sitting on an airplane, it, have you noticed it's amazing how many fat people come down the aisle? Now, you know, okay, now I'm going to get all kinds of criticism for, for being against fat people, but it's not that. It's just that, I mean, people, you got to wake up. This is not healthy. It's not for, it's not that, you know, it's a blight on the senses, although some people would think that, but that's not why I'm mentioning it. I'm mentioning it because, because it is really not healthy psychologically because you feel depressed about how you look and, and physically because, you know, overweight, extra weight brings all kinds of physical problems, high blood pressure, um, you know, diabetes. I mean, the list goes on. And um, and so anyway, the, 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 here's the, I promise something lighthearted. I, some, I am having trouble finding something lighthearted to say. But anyway, there was in connection with these with this obesity statistics. There was also an article, and they were well. I mean, it, it, it wasn't connecting it. The article wasn't connecting it specifically, but but it was in the same uh, news stream. I'm connecting it. There were articles about mice. Um, they, there was an experiment done on mice where some mice were fed yogurt and other mice were fed uh, yogurt. I think that was in addition. No, I guess that had to be in, in, a, in um, a diet of yogurt. And the other mice were fed a regular diet. And um, it turned out that the mice that were fed the yogurt I can't remember right now, actually, whether it was in conjunction with a regular diet or just the yogurt alone. It seems like it would have to have some mouse food with it. But in any case, the, 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 the mice who, um, who had the yogurt uh, lost weight, and their coat was sexier, and they had an increased size of their testicles. 
So if you um, extrapolate those results to people, I would suggest that you have more yogurt and less um, of those fattening comfort foods, um, and you will have a sexier coat and larger testicles and have more sex and better sex. Um, seriously. No, I mean, actually, yogurt is very good, and I would recommend it, but but my whole thing about uh, coping with terrorism is that we need to act as though, and this kind of goes along with a parallel also with the weight issue, we need to to tell ourselves or, or understand that we are essentially in a marathon. We need to be training for a marathon. Uh, we needed to start training for a marathon after 9-11, and, and if you haven't, um, it's not too late. And I'm not talking about a marathon where you run around your city. I'm talking about a marathon where you make yourself as physically and as uh, psychologically healthy as possible so that you can last through uh, the, te- the ongoing terrorist stress. The memories of 9-11 that have not disappeared, I promise you, they are in your unconscious mind and they are making you do things like eat too much food. Um, but they're making you do all kinds of other things as well. For example, uh, choosing relationships that are not right because um, because you want someone to be able to call if there's a terrorist attack, like we saw the people who were in the Twin Towers, for example, uh, doing. Um, I'm not saying this is conscious, but you know, it's, there's also the feeling that oh, I better get into a relationship now, even if it's not the most healthy relationship because time is, life is short. Life is short. Part of, uh, one of the symptoms of PTSD and, um, I, terror stress syndrome is a cousin of that. One of the symptoms is a feeling that life, your, your life is going to be foreshortened. You are not going to have as much of a future as you thought you would. So, um, so that would make you do all kinds of things like, um, pick careers, think of life, consciously or unconsciously as if you should make decisions based on it being based on having immediate gratification based on doing things that will get you results right now and that plays into also the me 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 kind of attitude that people seem to be having more than ever before um let me let me just t- start talking about some other um some other things in the news. Let me, let me, I, I will lighten this up more. I'm feeling it's kind of a, I mean, yes, talking about terrorism for a half an hour, I know is heavy, but you gotta understand these things. You gotta start going to the gym, not just to lose weight, but to get physically healthy. You need to start doing all these kinds of stress things that will alleviate stress from, from candles. Uh, aromatherapy candles to putting flowers in your on your desk, which makes you more productive. I mean, that's another thing that is really scary. That there is not a coincidence that 9/11 happened, and that then, not long after, our country is is plunged into um, financial distress because people are not concentrating as much as work. People are having trouble getting being as productive as they were before 9/11. These things. This is not a coincidence. And so we need to get ourselves, you know, in all the ways and, and that you know of, and I write about, 
um, to get yourself physically and mentally healthy so that you can be strong, stronger than you were before 9-11 to withstand these additional stressors that we have in our world that we cannot get away from. Yes, of course, we need to try to work for peace. That's another thing that I suggest. Um, but you can't just bury your head and hope that somebody else is doing it. You know, um, you need to do whatever you can, whether it's traveling to a foreign country and helping after a disaster or being on now, of course, being uh, helping out your political party if you believe in that party, whatever it is. But you need to be doing something. It can't just be life as usual the way it was before 9-11. You have to have it life not as usual but in a positive way, in a healthier way. And that way you're going to be able to withstand whatever additional stressors there are. And there are, you know, there, there just are. You know there are uh, since then. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about, I promise you, nothing as heavy as, as terrorism for the rest of the show. But we'll look behind some of the headlines like Octomom, her bankruptcy, and her porno aspirations. Uh, Jason Trawick and Britney Spears, what's up with that? Um, all kinds of other things. Junior So, um, his suicide. I know I said light, but, but there's a point to talking about that that will help everybody. Anyhow, I hear the music. We need to take a break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about Headline highlights on the couch, putting them on the couch, trying to provide an oasis of sanity in this crazy world. Now, <laughs> we're going from uh, uh, terrorism and Osama bin Laden 
to um, the suicide. <laughs> I know. I, well, I said I'm going to bring you sanity. I didn't say that I was going to, you know, everything was going to be happy. I told you about the big testicles and the mice. <laughs> what do you want? Um, no, there's a point behind everything that I've chosen, every headline that I've chosen to talk about. Um, in terms of how these things can help you, you know, what you should be learning from these headlines. Um, and I think that the suicide of football player Junior Seau uh, is a very instructive moment. It's very sad, of course, um, but it's been, it's been um, as a psychiatrist, what has been very frustrating to me reading about this is how everybody has jumped on the fact that the reason why he committed suicide was because he probably had chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which due to um, concussions, repeated concussions, which has which can have depression as one of the symptoms. Um, but you know, someone doesn't just wake up one day and say, "I think I'm going to kill myself because I'm depressed." Due to my brain injuries, we don't even know, by the way, that the, that he did have significant brain injuries, concussions. There were, he never reported. There were no reported um, reports of a history of concussions. But his ex-wife said that he did have some of them during his career. I mean, it's likely that he did. Obviously, playing football, you know, it's it's likely that there was some um, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, which just means chronic um, uh, with force, uh, you know, brain damage, essentially, due to force. Um, but in any case, you know, it, it, what it, why it bothered me is because people seem to be ignoring the fact that there, were, there had to have been, uh, I keep waiting for someone to, to say what they know and, and for it to get into the press, and so far that hasn't happened, but... Um, that he he retired or he 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 claimed he was going to retire um and he he was retired um and from football he was out of the out of the limelight out of the spotlight he yes there were lots of people who looked up to him he had a foundation he was doing various good things but it was not like the heyday of when he was a football star and, I mean, hello, that has got to do something to someone. We know that people get depressed when they had such a, um, such a, a, a noted, um, spotlight, you know, such a noted career, um, and then, then it goes to something much calmer and quieter and, and, um, you're not in the spotlight every day. And now what's, what's interesting was that in 2010, um, he, there was an incident which, of course, looking back, was apparently a failed suicide attempt. Um, he he um, went off a cliff and in his car in his SUV in, in 2010. Um, he his SUV went down a cliff after he was arrested for domestic violence. Now. <laughs> I mean, if he would have gotten psychiatric treatment at that time, um, chances are, and by that I mean psychotherapy, not just getting, not just having a doctor throw some pills at him, but if he would have gotten um, ongoing psychotherapy, weekly or more than once a week psychotherapy, 
uh, he would, it is likely that he would have not been suicidal and completed the suicide um, that he just did. And, um, you know, how sad is that? He has, he has an ex-wife, he had a girlfriend. Um, I, you know, ironically, this, he was uh, found dead on May 2nd, the same, the same day, the, the anniversary of the death of Osama bin Laden, bring, segueing into this. Um, but anyhow, you know, obviously there, there was something that needed to be addressed at least in 2010 when there was the, but what he what the problem was he told people that he fell asleep at the wheel that it wasn't a suicide attempt that his SUV got out of control because he fell asleep at the wheel now you know if he wouldn't have um seen going to a psychiatrist as a weakness or as um you know, something to be ashamed of or you know if he would have gone and done it and then and been in ongoing therapy to address you know, coming up with a new life for himself, um, it is unlikely that he would have killed himself just this past, uh, you know, on May 2nd. Um, what I find particularly interesting is that apparently the day before he sent text messages to his ex-wife, he was divorced in 2002, they had uh, three children, and he sent text messages to his ex-wife and his three children saying, I love you. Now, it's that to me speaks of having some regrets of um, of divorce, and especially when it was his girl, his current girlfriend, who found him. She went to the gym in the morning, and when she came back, she found him. He had um, he had shot himself in the chest. He was forty three years old, and um, she obviously knows something and she ain't telling or hasn't at least told anyone who where it got into the into the news media yet but she of all people must know what was bothering them bothering him and bothering them another interesting slip i mean they may obviously have been having difficulties um in their relationship that could have been what pushed him over the edge so to speak um you know, he was a really well-liked guy, and it is just such an incredibly sad loss that that psychiatric treatment could have um, cured, uh, could have given him the tools to to help himself get out of this depression. Um, you know, so so the idea is you can't just say, oh, well, this had to do with, you know, we should all... <laughs> interesting how everybody's focusing on how we should all do things to prevent chronic traumatic encephalopathy well that's very nice and yes probably it would be good to uh, to make the, the sport less dangerous but um but you cannot you know pretend to ignore uh or cannot really ignore the things in his life which drove him to that um you know it's interesting i was reading on the internet about um his his early days um, I'll read this to you. After gra- he, oh, well, first of all, he was he's, he was Samoan, and um, he was born um, in America. He was the fifth child in a Samoan family, and um, he was born after he was born. The family moved back to Samoa, and then moved back to San Diego, and um, they had to sleep in the family's one-car garage. You know, he started with very little, and, and obviously he made a great success of himself. 
and he attended the um, he attended USC, the University of Southern California, but he had to sit out his freshman year because he only got 690, 690 on his SAT college entrance exam, and you needed to have 700 in order to be eligible to play as a freshman. So um, at that time, Seau told Sports Illustrated, quote, I was labeled a dumb jock. I went from being a four-sport star to an ordinary student at USC. I found out who my true friends were. Nobody stuck up for me, not our relatives, best friends, or neighbors. There's a lot of jealousy amongst Samoans, not wanting others to get ahead in life. And my parents got an earful at church. Uh, the people would tell them at church, we told you he was never going to make it. So if you look at that, there's a parallel between that being out of the game um, and not that he was labeled dumb at this point, but but that feeling of being um, of being out of the game, not as successful. Um, there are parallels to how he must have been feeling now when he was depressed uh, enough to kill himself on May second, and and it's really sad. And my point of telling you this story is one that uh, we need to look for deeper reasons when people kill themselves, or or when we suspect someone is having suicidal thoughts, and two. Um, please, I hope that you don't still have um, a an idea of psychiatry that it's only for crazy people. Um, that you know, if or if you go to a psychiatrist, that means you must be crazy. Uh, you know, lots of people are depressed these days, if nothing else, and psychiatrists can help. Of course, you know what I think. You don't want to go to a psychiatrist who is only going to see you once a month and give you a prescription and ask you talk to you for 15 minutes. That's not going to do squat. Um, you need to go to a psychiatrist who's going to talk to you, have ther- give you therapy. I don't mean for 15 minutes. I mean for 45 to 50 minutes and, and provide psychotherapy for you so that you can understand how you're feeling and what this is, is due to. So, for example, if Seau had come and sat on my couch, I would have gotten him to talk about how he's feeling, how it feels to not be in the midst of the game, uh, doing interviews every day and, and all of that, and you know what he feels is lacking in his life. Does he have regrets about getting divorced and leaving his kids, um, not seeing them as often as he would have if he hadn't gotten divorced? I would talk about how then I would trace this back to how he felt in college in this freshman year when he wasn't able to play and how these people deserted him and, and said that he told his parents, we told you he wasn't going to amount to much. So you, you look at what's going on in your current life and you bring it back to things in your childhood that are at the root of these bad feelings in the current life, whether it's anxiety or depression or any kinds of problems that you're having now can be traced, the roots of it can be traced to childhood. The uh, precipitating factors were occurred in childhood. So um, oh, we're about to take another break. Why don't, why don't we end with, uh, well, we'll end with Octomom and Jason Trawick and Britney Spears. We'll end on a slightly, uh, no one will die. No, no one has died yet in regard to... Uh, Octomom and Britney Spears. So hey, <laughs> that's not going to be quite as uh, quite as heavy. But really, I do hope you will think about what I've been talking about so far. These things are so so important. Um, you know, it's the life you save may be your own. 
or people that you care about. So when we come back, we'll talk about um, Octomom's bankruptcy and her porno aspirations and uh, Jason Trawick and what has happened to that relationship with Britney Spears that shouldn't have happened. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, putting headline highlights on my couch and trying to create an oasis of sanity for you by analyzing these headlines, what's going on behind the headlines. So let's talk about Octomom. I was actually realizing during the break that um, both Octomom and Nadia, whose uh, real name is Nadia Suleiman, and Britney Spears are both in my Bad Girls book. Um, Britney Spears is under the addict type of bad girl, and Octomom is under the husband hunter and trapper type. So let's go with Octomom first. Um, why do I call her a husband hunter and trapper? Well, first of all, um, what that is, it's not just a woman who wants to get married someday. It's a woman who feels that she is not good enough to land a prince of her own uh, without having to trap him into it. So um, Octomom, in fact, the real reason why she had the 14 children or these, you know, she had six and then had octuplets, the reason why she got impregnated with um, countless uh, sperm to have a brood um, is, was because she wanted to get to trap, she wanted to entice the man who had provided the sperm to, uh, to begin with um, to entice him to marry her. He was married already. He was doing this as a favor because, uh, you know, she told him stories, various stories have come out about um, telling him that she wasn't able to get pregnant um, that she had some gynecological issues or that, um, you know, she had been married, actually, and she and her husband didn't have any children, and she might well have been scared that there was a problem, and, and uh, uh, well, in fact, there 
well, we, you know, it's, it's vague as to what the problem was. But in any case, she got this guy, this nice guy who was doing something nice for her to, um, to donate his sperm. And really what she wanted was not just his sperm, she wanted him. And, um, and she thought that by having a lot of children, um, she would get him to, to leave his wife and come be a father to the, his, cho- his children and, and be her husband. But that wasn't happening. That hadn't happened with the first six. He didn't leave his wife. And so it was really her, um, her desire to have a huge brood um, and and that that would be would would entice him all the more that he would feel that he would be guilted basically into uh, leaving his wife and coming to be a father to this huge brood of kids. Well, it still hasn't worked. I mean, I'll give her credit for one thing um, that she hasn't. She's holding the um, the Trump card in a sense. She could, she hasn't so far released the name of the guy, the sperm donor, to the media. Um, and that's her trump card. And I must say, you know, she's in a real fix now. Her house was supposed to go on auction yesterday, supposed to go up for auction. And by some last-minute maneuver, uh, she's managed to postpone that for another two weeks. But um, she's in real. She's filed for bankruptcy. She's in really bad shape right now financially. Of course, you know there. It was reported that she spent five hundred and twenty dollars on her hair um, recently, and we know. I mean, you know, she's she's spending more money on herself and new outfits and everything else, things to make herself look good. Um, taking spending outrageous. I mean, that's all fine to make yourself look good, but. You don't need to spend $520 on your hair to make that happen. Um, but anyway, so she's, she's you know, be, still being self-centered and not, not um, taking care of her kids properly. And, of course, recently there was uh, an investigation. Protective services came to her house and, and, and because there had been a report that they, she was living, she and the children were living in squalid conditions. And I guess the conditions weren't squalid enough for Child Protective Services to take the children away. Now, um, you, some of you may remember that when she first gave birth to the octuplets, I wrote letter after letter, complaint after complaint, to Child Protective Services in Los Angeles in my capacity as a psychiatrist who is a mandated reporter, meaning that I am supposed to report suspected cases of child abuse. And I'm not saying that she, you know, was physically or sexually abusing them, but she was certainly emotionally abusing them and abusing them by neglect because even if she was the best mother in the world and not as narcissistic as uh, she seems to be being, um, there, no mother could provide enough love and attention and care and nurturance for 14 kids, especially when they're, you know, they're so, they're so um, there are so few years between the six first children and then, of course, the octuplets who were all the same age. I mean, all tiny babies. And, of course, at the beginning she had some help with uh, nannies, but she's in no position right now to have a lot of nannies. I don't know if she even has any at this point, but um, she's running out of options. What's interesting is in the recent news about her bankruptcy, um, there hasn't been anything about her parents coming forward to help her. I think they've They've both kind of given up on her, have had enough of her. Um, 
And it's a really sad circumstance. And so what's the newest thing besides the bankruptcy and the house going up for auction, potentially? Um, what she's doing to try to fix this is doing porn. She, she, did a, she posed um, uh, for a, a pornographic photo, but now she's actually doing a porn movie. And it's been described as one in which she that in which she demonstrates self pleasuring. I mean, basically, what that seems to be saying is that she's masturbating in the in the in this porno movie. Um, and this was from this from a woman who said years ago when this happened, you know, at the very beginning, that she would never do porn. Um, you know, that was just beneath her. That was something unethical. That how could she be a good mother? I mean, you know, and and uh, and let her ch- let her children ultimately find out that she did porn. I mean, that's still a good question. <laughs> what is going to happen when these kids grow up? And yes, she's going to say, "Well, I had to do it to feed you." I mean, you know. Um, I actually so I wrote letters when when she when the babies were in the hospital. Um, right around the time that she was giving birth and when the babies were still in the hospital, I wrote complaint after complaint to Child Protective Services to ask them to please not let these babies go home with her because it was clear to me, and I gave them my lists of reasons why um, she would not be able to take good enough care of them. I think she had good intentions of taking care of them at the beginning, but as I said, it's just not possible even for someone who wants to be or is the best mother in the world. Um, you, you, you can't divide your time and love and attention uh, and caring and money <laughs> um, amongst 14 little children. So, um, so indeed, the, um, <laughs> this is coming home to roost and uh, you know she has been she has been quoted as saying um that she realizes that she's made a mistake she's done some some she, she never actually wound up or it was very short short lived the reality show that there was on the internet there wasn't really one um she was hoping to get one on television that would last a long time and that that would provide the money to pay for her kids but that it was it was not a success even on the internet people there weren't enough people watching it to support it you know to make it feasible uh to continue to do it so um so now she's kind of been reduced to to lower and lower kinds of things to do in order to find money to keep her house to keep to provide for her kids i mean of course a lot of this money is coming from taxpayers because there's a lot of social service money that's that she's being given each month um, but in any case in the, the reason why i wanted them to be taken away before they were brought home in other words not allowed to go home is so that they could be put into a, a good home in good homes eight good homes um, you know and so that she didn't um, she didn't get so it wasn't heartbreaking for her to give them up. Uh, I mean, of course, it would have been heartbreaking even in the hospital. But I mean, it, of course, it gets worse the more each little baby develops a personality and, and you develop a bond with them. And um, but at this point, she's been she's she's done some documentaries, and she's been seen to say that she made a mistake. She shouldn't have had the octoplets. Um, this is very hard on her. I mean, in a way, at this point, I think she would, other than the fact that she still wants to be famous, she would welcome uh, Child Protective Services coming in and taking the children away. Oh, my, the time, well, we didn't get to Jason, oh, well. Well, anyhow, so I hope Child 
Child Protective Services is listening, and I hope these children can be put into good homes, and that would relieve Octomom as well. She would be incredibly relieved. Part of this porn that she says she's doing, you know, having to do now, is also a bid to, to attract this guy, to be really sexy in the porno movies, and to attract this original guy away from his wife. So she's still a husband, hunter, and trapper. And unfortunately, the kids are having to suffer through this. Well, this was headlines on the ca- on the couch. Um, sorry, I didn't get to do all the headlines, but um, but I hope that this has been helpful for uh, a little oasis of sanity to understand some of the things behind all these crazier and crazier headlines that we have to wake up to each day. So uh, try to be part of the solution instead of adding to the problem. And um, think about some of the things that I was saying so that you could help your life and the life of people you care about. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 